This show is sponsored by The Pragmatic Studio. The Pragmatic Studio has been teaching iOS development since November of 2008. They have a four-day hands-on course where you learn all the tools, APIs, and techniques to build iOS apps with confidence and understand how all the pieces fit together. They have two courses coming up. The first one's in July from the 22nd to the 25th in Reston, Virginia, and you can get early registration up through June 21st. You can also sign up for their August course, and that's August 26th through the 29th in Denver, Colorado, and you can get early registration through July 26th. If you want a private course for teams of five developers or more, you can also sign up on their website at pragmaticstudio.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of iFreeze. This week on our panel, we have Rod Schmidt. Hello from Salt Lake City. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, due to a little bit of a scheduling snafu, it's just the two of us today. So you get to hear more from us. Yeah, I finally get a chance to talk. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think uh, Pete and Ben and I all suffer from the same, we like to hear ourselves talk. And we always have something to say. <laughs> so. All right. Anyway, let's get this started. Our scheduled topic today is interface builder and storyboards, which is something that I've actually played with a little bit, not a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And do you have questions about it or issues you want to talk about it? Not really. I mean, I haven't done anything too complicated with it. And for the most part, you know, you drag the elements out there, you link them up with the actions on your view controller, and it just kind of works. Okay. So you just want to talk about how they work and what you can do with them? And Yeah, I'm sure I'll have questions. I guess one question right off the bat is what if you have some kind of like custom designed interface? Can you do that with storyboards or interface builder? Um, not really. Um, interface builder is designed for mostly the built in controls. Um, when you want to do custom work, you, you basically just put a view out there, set its class, and then you have to write all the custom code for that, that class. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's typically how you do it. So if you're doing a lot of custom work, it's mostly good for just laying out the the basic structure of your user interface, and then you go from there. Nice. I'm looking at it here. I actually pulled it up so I could actually uh, look at it and ask you questions about it. But before we get into that, are there any tricks that you use to make it easier to reason with? What do you mean by reason with? Well, just, you know, are there any things that make Interface Builder easier to use that you do? No. Um, sometimes, you know, you just get all the other side panels out of the way. Depends on how big your UI is and how much room you need. I always leave the inspector up, but I just pretty much use the basic uh, what you got in Xcode. Okay. So um, one thing that I'm seeing here is on the left under placeholders, it has files owner and first responder. What exactly do those mean? The file owner is typically the is the is the object that actually loaded the is going to load this nib. So a lot of times that's when you call init with view controller. You're way down in the code. Someone's calling load nib and it's passing itself as the file owner. And then when that nib is loaded, that uh, it's kind of like an outlet. That file owner is get it gets attached to that object. So it's it's the class kind of that's overseeing this UI. Okay, is that typically the view controller then, or? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times that's the view controller. And then the first responder. The first responder is is the. Are you familiar with the responder chain? No, I don't think we've talked about that. Um, Any events that happen, like a a tap, start at the first responder. So, for example, 
when you're editing a field, you're typing in a field, that is the current first responder. So when you type a key, the event goes to the first responder and he may choose to handle it or not. And he can uh, handle it in which case he shows the key press or not. Then he passes it up to the next responder in the in the responder keychain, and then that responder has a chance to handle it or pass it up as well. Right. And eventually, eventually, it'll get to the uh, the application, the app delegate. All right. So um, I'm looking at the project that I've got open here, and it says received actions. It's got like copy paste, go back, go forward. I also see two actions in here that I created on my view controller. Hmm. So are those events as well? Is this event-driven? Or is it more procedural? Or Well, you've got the actions. I call them events, actions, are kind of synonymous. So you've got all the built-in objects, and they have their events or actions that they handle. And whenever you write a, a view or a class and you put that IV action keyword in your header file, Interface Builder will look for that and make that an action, treat that as an action and put it in an Xcode will will show it in the actions that you can connect. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So then you've got all these objects down here in the bottom right is where I'm looking, but uh, you've got uh, touch objects. It, it's also got custom objects, which is empty. Right. It used to be that you could add your own, they're called palettes. You could add your own palettes to Xcode or Interface Builder at the time so that you could put in your own custom objects and then and put them in here and they would work just like the built-in ones. I think Xcode 4 discontinued support for that. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a neat feature, but they don't support that anymore. Nice. And and all of these elements that you put on there, those are views? I'm I'm a little confused by the terminology as well. Which terminology? So for example, this entire layout is a view, but then it seemed like a lot of these, like a label or a round rectangular button or whatever, is also called a view. Is Am I mixing things up here? Or? What specifically are you looking at? Over here in all the different elements that you can drag onto here so that I can drag a label onto my uh, mm-hmm. my iPhone layout. Are, are those elements or are they views or what? what do you actually call them? Well, label is a view, and round rec buttons a view. All these are views under your under the controls, the, the okay. controls uh, category. And then you've got data views. Those are also all views. It look, yeah, they're all views. Gesture recognizers are recognizers. They're for handling taps and different pinches and all that stuff. Okay. And then we have uh, windows and bars, which are also types of views. Yeah. Bar button items, or I think those are view, technically views. And then the overall layout of where everything goes, is that also a view? You mean like where you place a button, the thing you place a button into? Yes. The, the rectangle that you typically see on the, on the interface builder screen? Yes. Yeah, that's a view. That's the main view that your view controller is managing. And then these are kind of sub-views, I guess? Right. And then you also have the controllers and objects category, and that is going to have your controllers, things like your view controller, um, navigation controller, all those different controllers, and they're gonna and they're gonna control the views. So they're typically gonna point to these these things that you're putting together. All right, that makes sense. Now, the other thing that I'm wondering is, what is an outlet? An outlet is simply a pointer to an object, typically a view. 
but it could be a, a pointer to a controller or, or your own custom object and you can connect them up in the interface builder but it's really it's all it is a pointer okay and then the other thing is is this this has storyboards so you can add multiple views and and you can say this button takes you to this other view that kind of thing uh-huh now how, how do you usually wind up wiring that up well you have um what they call segs segways mm-hmm. and so you just you just drag from a button or another view to your other view control drag and it'll ask you um, what type of segue you want a little menu will pop up and you can do a push a push a modal or a custom you can create your own segways too as well in code custom code or there's also relationship queues so like a tab bar controller has all these views in these separate tabs so you can say this is just one of the view controllers okay so it's pretty simple Awesome. I don't know that I have a ton of questions about this. I mean, it is pretty straightforward and pretty visual. Yeah, there's 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 also exit segs that they added in Xcode or iOS 6 where you can... It's a little confusing to hook up. I always have to look in the documentation. But you see those little green um, squares with an arrow going out of it at the bottom of each view controller? Mm-hmm. And those are exit segues and... That's how you go back. They added that feature. Okay. Now, one issue we can talk about is uh, there's kind of a growing movement where people don't want to use interface build, and there's also issues with using storyboards in a group in a group setting, a team setting. Okay. Um, things like that. So, why wouldn't you want to use interface builder? Some people, especially in in the Ruby Motion crowd, and and more and more in in the just plain object to see code is they don't there's they don't like uh, the idiosyncrasies of interface builder how it may every time you there's some bugs in Xcode where like if you as soon as you select a, an, a zip or a nib it changes the file and you don't really know what it what it's did and and it's XML and you can't really read it and and some people so people just prefer to do it in code because they want that that extra control they feel more comfortable with it. I've had a few people tell me that uh, interface builder is pain. Yeah, I th- I think there's a a misperception that I love personally. I love nibs, um, and that's what first drew me to the platform when I first saw a next machine. Some people think that it actually generates code, but that's that's not the case at all. The objects that you put on in your nib are actually real objects, and they get serialized to a file. And when the app runs, they get unserialized, so a real, real object is instantiated, and uh, no code is generated at all. That XML file, that zip, is just a serialization of, of real objects that you've created. So, for example, each button and each label is an object that's been serialized into your zip, and then when it gets compiled to a nib and then pushed up to the machine, when it opens up that nib, it says, oh, I've got an object of this type, and I know what to do with it. Right. It instantiates it and connects up all the outlets and, and everything. That makes sense. So are there any downsides other than, you know, some of the, the weird gotchas to using uh, Internet Interface Builder over just building it yourself? There's the team environment. Um, you know, if two people are working on a, a, a nib, you know, because of the way Xcode works now, you, you don't know what it 
that what it did to the XML, so it's hard to merge. This really comes into play when you're using storyboards because there's so many nibs in the storyboard. You know, if you touch one, you screwed up every one of them. So I'm not sure how people deal with that. I mostly deal with it myself alone. I've, I've worked with in team environments with just nibs and it hasn't been an issue. But storyboards, I just over the weekend, I was doing startup weekend a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, we just had one person use this, do the storyboard stuff. And then we would have, uh, if we wanted to split off work, we would just have someone do a nib and connect them up later in code. So that's kind of a, kind of a pain. I hope Apple fixes that in a future version. Yeah, I guess it makes sense though, because I mean, systems like Git, they just do kind of a line by line comparison. And if they don't line up and it doesn't know which merge strategy to use, yeah, then you get weird characters in your code. Yeah. Well, it's just the fact that it changes so many things in the in the XML file that don't seem related to what you did. I mean, as soon as you touch the storyboard, it changes stuff. And you, you, what did it do? You don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's pretty annoying. The you know the other issue is if you're doing a lot of custom work, we've already talked about that. Then you don't really need it. Um, you can just set up your basic layout, and that's it. So how how would you do that? How would you approach that? You mean writing the custom UI or? Yeah. How would you, how would you write a custom UI? Basically, I, I'd set up a nib that has just the basic, um, structure. Like maybe I just have one master view. Um, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then say I had a, just for simplicity's sake, we had a custom view in there. You'd drag a, a plain old UI view into your, as a sub view of your, your main view. Um, you'd create a new class for that view. Let's say you're, creating a custom button so you create a subclass of ui button and then you so you drag a ui button into your view and then you go into your inspector and on the third tab you there's a class field at the top you can set its class to your custom class and then uh so when that nib is load it's going to instantiate your custom version of a button and then you just code your custom button override how it's drawn, how it handles events, etc. So to that degree, you would actually use Interface Builder to get it where you want it? Just to set up the shell. Okay. And so it would load all the objects for me, basically, instantiate the right kind of UI button I want. And then from there, my code takes over to draw the button, handle the events, hmm. whatever, whatever custom stuff I wanted to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there certain um, elements or certain uh, views that you use more often than others in your uh, in Interface Builder? Well, you use the control the controllers a lot. Navigation controller, table view controller is probably the most widely used controller with the, the corresponding table view. You see those everywhere. Mm-hmm. Those are the main ones. Navigation controller, table view controller, and view controller and tab bar controller are probably the most widely used. Yeah, I'm seeing these in here. There's uh, table view, collection view, navigation controller, tab bar controller, page view controller, GL kit controller. Right. So what what are all these? Because don't you don't you generally start out with a view controller? Well, it depends on what you want to do. I mean, if if you're just gonna have a generic view, yeah, you'd use it. You'd start with a view controller. Table view is whenever you want to display a view, a list of things then you use a, a table view controller. 
collection view controller is is a new thing that in what I think iOS six. It's kind of like a table view, except it displays things in a grid. Okay. And you can also customize how it lays the, that grid out. You can even make it do it in a circle or you know whatever. Navigation controllers for when you want to drill down into things. You know. Meaning that if I have, a, say, I'm building a contacts list for some reason, so when I tap on the contact and it loads up the the data for that contact. Right. So you'd have a navigation controller, and then inside the navigation controller, you'd have a table view controller displaying your list of contacts. And then when you tap on a contact, it pushes a, another view, say a, just a plain old view controller that has the detail for that contact. It pushes it onto the navigation controller, and the navigation controller animates it on screen, keeping track of the previous table view that's now off screen. So it's got a stack of view controllers that it's managing. Okay. And then, of course, we've got tab bar controller, which is a bunch of tabs with, with views. Each one of those could even could be a navigation controller. Page view controller is, is like uh, pages in a book. So just like iBooks, you can even have uh, the page uh, bending as you flip the page. Yeah, that's an that's a animation I'm not particularly fond of. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, you can even see the back of the page as you as you animate. Mm-hmm. Incredible detail in there. Um, GL Kit View Controller is for games. So if you want to have a, a view with a GL view, open GL view, you'd use that. Um, a lot of people though, when they do games, they they don't even use Interface Builder. And I could see the reason, you know, the reasoning behind. There's not much need for that. Although typically they'll just they'll set it up with just a single window that has a GL kit view and that's it. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what the template does. There's a GL kit template or something. So, yeah. So if I, let's say that I uh, put navigation stuff in there or I put a list that, you know, I can go out and see kind of a sub view on, on these different things. Um, so I would use a navigation view for that or a nav- navigation view controller for that. When I, when I hook that up, does it, I guess the table view controller is a better example of this. So if I hook the table view controller up, does it know that I'm building a table in my view and set that up for me? Or is that something I have to build out myself? Well, if you drag, if you drag the table view controller from, from the side here, it'll create everything that you need. Oh, so if you, you drag it out. So it's, it's got a, a view controller. It's got the table view inside of it, etc. everything you need. And it's all, it's hooked up. The view outlet is hooked up. I think there's a table view outlet as well. So it hooks up, it hooks up all the basics. Yeah. I just dragged it up there and it created another um, view. So yeah, then I could, uh, you know, I could set up the transitions and stuff that you were talking yeah. about. And one, one thing we didn't talk about with, with table view controllers and one of the advantages of storyboards is static cells and prototype cells. So normally it used to be when you created a table view, to get this individual cells, you had to override the data source methods and create the cells in code and uh, set them up that way. And then there's like four types of cells that you could return a, a different type. But when you wanted to do your own custom cells, you had to do a lot of work. You had to create your own nibs and and then load those nibs at at the right time and and do that. And um, it's kind of awkward. And, but then in uh, with storyboards, you can create 
custom cells and all your static cells right in Interface Builder. So if you have a, a, a table that's always displaying the same cells, that's what we would call static cells, and that that works well for that. You notice you can select a cell in this table view controller. If you dragged it out in the storyboard, is that what you did? Yeah. And then if you look in the uh, inspector, um, you've got a style for that cell. And if you select like basic, a title shows up. And you can also set an image for that cell. And then see static cells. So static cells, are those cells that don't scroll when you scroll everything else? Or are they something else? No, it just means that they never change. The table view is always going to display these same cells. Oh, okay. So your data is static. And if your data is not static? If your data is not static, then then you can use what they call as a prototype cells. Trying to, there's somewhere where you set the, uh, oh, if you, if you select the table view controller, no, that's not it. There's somewhere where you tell the table view controller that you want static cells. Oh, here we go. If you select the table view, and then you have a, a content setting, and you can select static cells or dynamic prototypes. Um, so static cells we just talked about. So you can basically create your whole table and all those the content right in Interface Builder. Dynamic prototypes is for your contact example. You have a list of contacts. All the cell styles are going to be the same, but their contents are going to be different. So you may want to have a, an image. Each person has an image and they have a name. And then under the name, maybe you want to show their title or address or something. Then you can say, I want dynamic prototypes and then select your prototype cell, set its style to, you know, subtitle, add a image placeholder. And then that's what it's going to look like. You can, you can also have more than one prototype cell. So say you have a, a company. Your contact list has a list of companies and people. Mm-hmm. You could have you could have a company prototype cell and a person com- prototype cell. Oh, interesting. So and then you get you give each of these prototype cells an identifier, a cell identifier, and then in your uh, in your delegate and data source methods, you just say, "Give me a a cell with this identifier, say a company identifier," and it'll give you that prototype cell, and then you fill it in with the content and off that's cool yeah so that that's a really nice feature of storyboards can't do that with uh, just plain nibs so when people are going outside of storyboards or um, interface builder and they're doing their own thing do they still compile nibs no there it's just straight code at that point okay yeah so so all of this is manipulable by code you just say I want an object that's at this position that's of this type. And that's basically the same as reinflating the nib when you get it on the, on the um, device. Right. It basically, you could write interface builder yourself if you wanted to with all the Cocoa APIs. Oh, nice. So how do I get, because I'm playing with this a little bit, um, how do I get a table view cell in, into the table view? With prototype cells? Yeah, or any of those. So I have the table view, and I don't see a way of saying I want this kind of cell in there. Well, you've got one cell already, right? You can you can click on a cell that's already there. Because when you dragged out the table view controller, it created a, pro- a prototype cell. Okay. Right? 
you can duplicate that cell. That'll give you another cell. And then you can give that an, a different identifier. So basically you've created another prototype cell. You can all, well, if you select the table view again, there's also below the content where you select dynamic or static, there's also a, a thing that says uh, how many prototype cells are there are. And you can set that to the number of, of prototype cells you want. Okay. And then it'll create those cells and then you, you edit those however you want. You might be able to even drag a cell out from the controls. Yeah, I tried doing that and it didn't quite do what I expected. So what anyway, the, I'll have to play with it and figure it out. Huh? I, I don't particularly like talking about things visually. Yeah, it's hard to. On a podcast, you know, where people can't see what I'm doing. So um, I, I, I tend to just go along with the same kind of thing. So on your apps, you have the numerology app. And is that the only one you have? Or do you have another one? I thought you had another one. Well, and I always have um, numerology and numerology baby namer. I tried fav I did a favors, which was a, a pass kit app, and but it got rejected. It got mm -hmm. approved, and then the update got rejected, and then they said you can't have this app on the store, and that's it. I had I had one phone word at one point. Those are my iOS apps. I have some other one Mac apps too. Now, did you use Interface Builder on all of those? Huh. All right. Yeah. So one other thing that uh, I've heard about but I haven't actually experienced yet is that if your interface doesn't follow certain guidelines from Apple, that they will reject it. So, for example, on the iPhone, if you allow the uh, upside-down orientation, they'll reject you is one thing I've heard. Really? They support upside-down orientation, so I don't know why they would reject that. It's in your Xcode settings, so you can say uh, you support it. So I don't know why they would reject that. Um... Xcode, it's really hard not to follow the guidelines in, in the Interface Builder. When you drag things around, it shows guides and stuff. Mm -hmm. But you don't, you don't have to follow those, and you won't get rejected like if you don't have a, the right margin or, or something like that. Yeah, the other one I heard was that, say you have a list, and mm -hmm. um, you can tap it to expand it and see all the information about it. Or if you tap it and it does certain other things, you have to use a certain um, arrow icon. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's there's guidelines like that. There's two different um, two different they call them disclosure controls. I think that's what they're called. Uh-huh. Accessory controls and is one is just the chevron, like the, the gray arrow. Yeah. And that that means that you're gonna drill down into something. You're gonna display another view or a detail for that. And then there's also a uh, disclosure button, which is like a, a blue a blue button with the arrow disclosure arrow in it, and that's also used to represent that you're going to bring up some detail, but not necessarily drill down. They have guidelines that go along with all of these things, but unless it's I don't I've never been rejected for how not following guidelines. Okay, so I'm not sure when they would reject you. I mean, it would have to, I think it would have to be a pretty blatant. Um, misuse of of it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, people, some local developers wrote the Track 8, you know, music player, which simulates, is basically looks like a Metro app on your iPad. Mm -hmm. So you have you have a lot of flexibility with what you can do. All right, cool. It, sound, it, it looks really cool. Yeah, I'm just looking through these other things. It looks like there are quite a few different uh, views and things. 
One thing that I'm curious about is, can you set up custom gestures? You mean in Interface Builder? Yeah. You can, as you see, we've got these, uh, what, six built-in gestures mm -hmm. that you just drag onto your view and, and connect them up. But you can, you can create your own gestures. You just have to do it all and connect it all up in code. Okay. So you have to recognize where the contact points are and then... Yeah, there's, there's a, a UI gesture recognizer class that all the all these inherit from and so you can inherit from that too and then override the right methods to do what you need to do to recognize whatever gesture you're you want okay but for custom one you'd have to connect it up in code you wouldn't be able to do it in interface builder okay well, i don't know if i have any other questions about this okay i think i covered all the issues um you know someone who, who doesn't like interface builder would would maybe bring up some more issues that uh that we haven't addressed. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have a certain um, sympathy for people who want to control it all through code. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm also one of those folks that's pragmatic enough to go, well, if I don't have a beef with the Apple generic look and feel for an app, and I can get all of this interface stuff done in half the time or less, then I'm probably just going to go with Interface Builder. Yeah. I mean, even if you're doing a lot of custom work, you can get a lot set up, the, your framework set up, and, and then you can customize it from there. I just remember, you know, before Interface Builder, I wrote UI code in, like in, um, in Windows or in uh, Java with the Java Swing API. And, and you, you know, you just sit there all day going back and forth, switching the coordinate here and go back to your code and run it and see if it works lines up where you want and then go back and tweak it some more and you know you, you'd spend a lot of time doing that and uh if you don't use interface builder it's it's the same thing then i i really don't like doing that where interface builder i just visually put it where i want the guides show me where i where they recommend you put it and i'm done and i run it and it, and it looks the way i want it to nice and even connecting up actions you know you just drag from a button to a to an action and it's hooked up you don't have to write any code. Yep. So one thing I did notice that it doesn't have that I find a little bit surprising and a little not surprising at the same time is they don't have a calendar view. They have the date picker, but they don't have a calendar view. Right. There's a lot of controls that you you wish they had, and, and they exist out in the open source world. Um, people have written their own their own widgets. So search CocoaPods, you'll find you probably find a, a calendar control. And I, if Apple brought in back in support for your own custom uh, controls to be actually be in Interface Builder, okay, that, that but, would be nice. But as it is, what you do is you pull in a view and then you tell it to use the calendar view instead. Right, you set its class to that new class that you you imported from CocoaPods, or you just hook it up in in code. Interesting. All right. Well, I don't know if there's anything else to talk about. I don't. I don't want to drag this out if we don't have stuff to talk about. Right. So um, why don't we go ahead and get to the picks, and then we'll wrap up the show. Okay. So I'm going to make you go first. All right. My first pick is uh, episode 97 of NS Brief, where he interviewed John Reed on uh, unit testing and clean coding and. I went and watched uh, some videos that John Reed made about unit testing with Cocoa and View Controllers, and it it really got me interested in, in trying it myself. I haven't really done much of that, but he shows how to test View Controllers and and everything, and so it uh, 
it got me interested in, in doing it and trying it. So that's my first pick. And then my second pick is uh, Ember.js. I've been just fooling around with uh, JavaScript and trying to see what, it, what all the excitement about is. And I, I liked Ember.js and I've started prototyping an app and Ember.js split off from uh, Sprout Core, which was uh, Apple uses to do their web apps. And it's got a kind of a, it's got a lot of in common with Cocoa, but it's written in JavaScript. So I, I like it so far. Very nice. Yeah, I listened to the NS Brief too, and I, I really enjoyed that episode. I'm kind of a code quality geek, and I like hearing what other people are doing. So it, yeah. it was really cool. And uh, yeah, I also wound up having lunch with Saul Mora the week after we talked to him on the podcast. And mm-hmm. Super super guy. Super yes. guy. He seems like a really nice guy. Yep. So uh, yeah, he was trying to talk me into coming out there for a 360 iDev and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway... Uh, my picks, my first pick is a book that I found that I am going to start going through. It's not strictly iOS related, but uh, it, it probably has more relevance to your back end if you have a an API that you're connecting to for data and stuff. And that is seven databases in seven weeks. It just seemed really cool. So yeah. I'm probably going to work through that. I read the seven languages in seven weeks book. Yeah, I've, I've got that one too. I need to go through it, but I just haven't had a chance. And incidentally, it's funny because both of those books have one primary component of my regular stack, and that is Ruby on one and Postgres on the other. So, mm-hmm. uh, But I've been playing with MongoDB and stuff too, and I'd like to understand it a little bit better. And this seems like it's kind of a one-week crash course into at least the basics. So Yeah. Um, so that's that's one pick. And then the other pick that I have is Eventbrite. Um, I've been using that. I'm actually going to be doing this afternoon debugging Ruby and Rails online training, and it's free. But by the time this comes out, it'll be too late for you to sign up, though you can get a copy if you go to railsrampup.com and join the wait list for the course. Incidentally, um, it, it just makes it really, really easy to set things up to sign up for things. So uh, I've used it for that. I've used it for a few other online trainings that I'm doing. I use it for the actual Rails ramp up course. And I've all, I'm also using it right now for, um, I've had several podcasters approach me um, talking about some of the issues that they have with FeedBurner and some of the concerns over whether it's going away. And so I'm using it to uh, have people sign up to come to a discussion. It's kind of an informal discussion, but basically to get an idea of what they need and what they want and, and what kind of a, a service they would like to use for that. And then um, I'm considering actually building a product around it if I feel like there's enough um, interest and need for it. So, But anyway, so all of the event stuff that I, I do is, is basically run through there. And it's really, really nice. And uh, those are my picks. All right. All right. Well, we'll uh, wrap this up. We'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening. See ya.